Arizona, Arizona Sports. Sports. Burns and Gambo talk with the decision maker from the Coyotes front office. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUClinics.com to schedule an appointment. Three o'clock hour of the Burns and Gambo show live from the auction community studios. The Coyotes in action tonight in Philadelphia taking on the Flyers. That is a five o'clock faceoff. You'll hear it on ESPN 620. Yeah, Bobby and Clark is not walking through that door. No, he is. Neither, Bill Barber is not walking through that door. Is <laughs> Reggie McLeish. Is Briere walking through that door? <laughs> Danny Briere is not walking <laughs> through, that, through door. that door either. Dave Schultz is not walking through that door. I'll tell you who's walking through our door right now, uh, metaphorically speaking, of course, because we've got him on the phone talking about the president and CEO of the Coyotes, Javier Gutierrez, stopping by for our weekly Coyotes front office interview. Javier, welcome. Happy New Year to you. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Burns Gambo, happy new year to you guys. Always great to talk to you and uh, looking forward to a big 2023 with you guys. Yeah, well, let's first talk about the Mullet Arena and the success that you guys have had playing at home. We were all wondering, like, that that intimate atmosphere and the fans right on top of the ice and just how much of an advantage would it be? You guys are playing great on home ice. Absolutely. Well, listen, I was actually just talking with your producer, Mitch, and uh, he was at the game when we uh, beat the Colorado Avalanche, the Stanley Cup winners, and it was electric. And, and that's what you get when you come to the, to the mullet. It, it's on fire. It's the best experience in all of the NHL. And our players feed off of it. And they've said that. They, they let us know that it's a home ice advantage and uh, the record speak for itself. Um, you know, we we are really, really tough to beat at home. And uh, I really tip my hat to the, to the players and, and to Bear and his staff. Uh, we've created a culture of competition. And as I told you guys, that was going to be the environment. It was going to be loud. It was going to be energetic. It was going to be electric. And uh, the home ice advantage that we have is, is evident to everyone across the NHL. We didn't know that success was going to follow like that with the games at home. So be honest. Have you been a little surprised? by not only the wins at home, but by some of the quality wins at home and the teams that you've beaten at Mullet Arena? Well, when you think about beating, you know, uh, the, the Islanders, when you think about beating the, the Avalanche, the, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, yeah, you, these are these are Stanley Cup caliber contenders, and uh, they've been incredible wins uh, at home. Uh, so it, it has been a bit surprising uh, from that perspective in terms of just the caliber that we're coming in. But, but i got to tell you, we were never surprised with the attitude that was going to be exhibited by this team. From very early on, I think you remember me telling you, uh, we've created this culture, this culture of we will be hard to beat. We will outwork you. We will, you will feel this team when you come into the mullet. And uh, it's been pretty evident. Yeah, because you've got a better record than like, you know, four or five teams in the NHL. And I, I know, you know, the plan is to rebuild through the draft with great draft picks and try to land that. You know, generational type player, but the players don't think about the draft picks. The players think about going out there and winning a hockey game. So, are any of you surprised at the success you've had, considering that the the path forward is pretty much building around great draft picks? Well, we're not surprised from the perspective of what you're seeing is actually development from the players that we're drafting. When you think uh, before we he went down, Matthias Michelli was leading all rookies in points and assists. When you think about Karel Vegmelka, uh, you know, Veggie uh, through the pipes, um, you know, and, and when you think about 
a guy like J.J. Moser, uh, before he went to Team Canada, leading them to a gold medal game today, Dylan Gunther. I mean, the, this is the plan. The plan is to have young players that we draft, that we come, that we bring them in, we develop them, and they're performing. And then clearly when you have this young leadership group led by, uh, you know, Lawson Krause, Jacob Chikrin, Clayton Keller, Nick Schmaltz before he got injured. I mean, that that is the plan, is to have young players that this community, this fan base uh, can really rally around and, and see them develop. So we're not surprised from that perspective. Uh, but, you know, we, we still continue on this strategic plan to build a sustainable winner through the draft with the foundation being built for long-term success. Yeah, a lot of people had a lot to say when it was announced that you guys were going to play in a college stadium at, at you know, ASU's uh, Mullet Arena when it got named Mullet Arena. A lot of people had a lot to say. This, you know, laughed about it. They joked about it. They mocked it. But I'll tell you, I, you're not hearing any of that through the first, you know, half of the season. You're not hearing anybody complain about it because the ice is so great. The atmosphere is great. I don't think it's been an issue at all because, like I've said, I haven't heard any complaints based on the way you you guys have been able to put forward a hockey game no absolutely not and, and i remember telling you gambo that this was going to be the environment everyone was going to be wanting to come and visit and that's what's happened uh you know owners from other teams you know uh, c-suite executives they're all reaching out to me say hey we here we got to come out and see our team play there at the mullet and uh, they're all coming to see it live and they're all saying the same thing the location is phenomenal the place is brand new. They, they keep forgetting that when they were critiquing it early on. Uh, the ice, as you mentioned, is some of the best, if not the best ice in all of the NHL. And the players love that. And the, just the environment is electric. It, it, it feels like a playoff game every single game the front the fans are having fun the sight lines as you guys have been there you know you and gamble have been there uh gamble and burns when you guys were there at the first game you know it, it, it there's no bad seat at all and so it is a phenomenal experience we've been very very excited but the truth be told it's what we thought it would be, and, and now the rest of the NHL is is hearing about it. Javier Gutierrez, Coyotes president and CEO, our guest here on the Burns and Gamble Show. The Coyotes taking on the Flyers tonight in Philadelphia. Of course, it is still just a temporary home, and obviously the the uh, quest for your permanent home continues. The May 16th vote in the city of Tempe is coming up. I know you guys, I believe, last time we talked, Javier, in the process of collecting signatures. Update everybody where, on where things stand when it comes to that. Yeah, we're very excited to announce that we, we submitted over 6,000 signatures when we needed over two, just 2,000. We did that in eight days uh, for each of the three uh, items that are going to be part of the referendum. Uh, tonight, actually, there will be a council meeting for the city of Tempe in which the Maricopa County Recorder has already validated our signatures, and it's expected that the council will accept uh, those signatures and then officially put uh, the referendum on the May 16th ballot. Everything is going as we had said. Uh, we are very excited about the opportunity to continue to get out into the community, uh, address any of the concerns, address any of the misinformation that may be out there. This is a transformative project. It is a compelling deal that it's privately financed, and we're the right team to get it done. And that's what you're hearing, and that's the momentum. Um, you know, we're going to continue to work incredibly hard to get uh, the support 
Uh, but we feel uh, confident that it'll get there, and this will be that net, that that final step in the journey to to really completely completing this arena solution and building this uh, once an unprecedented you know sports and entertainment district in the in the history of uh, of Arizona. You talked about addressing the concerns of people as part of the next step. What are some of the major concerns you're hearing about right now? Well, it's, I think it's more about just misunderstanding the deal. I mean, uh, people can't truly understand that we're paying for it all. You know, they hear things like potentially this is going to raise their property taxes, and it's not. As we've said over and over again, we're going to build private r- real estate. It is a landfill. And so what we need to do is we need to have the city issue bonds that our real estate is the collateral for, and the repayment sources are part of the taxes that are generated on that district. And then uh, a user fee that we're going to impose uh, when you come onto the district and you buy a ticket or you rent a hotel room or, or you eat at one of the restaurants. And so that is what is going to repay those bonds. And that's just for the public infrastructure. Everything else comes out of our pocket. And so the bottom line is if you don't come onto the site and you don't buy a ticket or you don't go to a game, uh, you're not paying for any of the repayment of that infrastructure. And that's just, that's just a concept that's never been done before. Every other sports facility here has been paid by the taxpayers and none of those facilities ever pay property taxes in perpetuity. And so those are just uh, concepts that are foreign to, to folks in Arizona, and it's up to us to get people comfortable that that truly is the, the deal that the city of Tempe and its council unanimously voted to support. We always appreciate the conversation, Javier. Thanks for stopping by for a few minutes. Best of luck to the organization tonight, and we will talk to you in the near future. Great, guys. Hope to see you again at the, the mullet soon. You will. Uh, you, you will. will. Javier, friend. Javier Gutierrez, Coyote's president and CEO, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show last year, the two followed a very similar course when it came to success. This year, there seems to be some parallels forming between the Cardinals and Suns as well, just in the wrong direction. We'll talk about that coming up on the Burns and Gambo show. and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's funny, we were joking last week when Gambo was on vacation. We were looking back at the 2022 year, kind of a year in review thing. That's what a lot of people do when, you know, you, you get to New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. And we basically surmised that anybody who's lived through the calendar year of Arizona sports in 2022, it was just an awful year. Yeah. I mean, it was just, well, the shirts are being made right now. I survived Arizona sports 2022. It was terrible. I mean, even like the highlight of the Suns winning a franchise record 64 games, people barely remember that. They just remember what happened against the Mavs and the fact that they were taking a task against the Pelicans and then the Cardinals season. And there were positives. Don't get me wrong, but man, it, it was the exact opposite of 2021. Suns are in the finals. Cardinals are 10 and 2 and on their way to Kyler Murray's having a great season and, and it seems like the organization's turned the corner. And and God forbid that a power ranking would give you an idea cuz you hate power I hate rankings. Them. I but said see, it. but you see this is why I don't I mind power it. rankings because sometimes you read them and it kind of sparks a thought. And, and you go, okay, I don't really care what the what the Suns power ranking is this week. Who cares about that? But you read it, 
and it kind of sparks a thought. Uh-huh. You read this power ranking, and it sparked a thought for you. So 14th, they're not all bad. Fourteenth says, "Do you know the wheels are coming off in Phoenix when Aiton's the voice of reason, calling out the team's focus and effort?" And uh-huh. I mean, it was just. And this is before you know. This was two games earlier because the Suns are two and six without Booker. They're two and eight now because they've lost the last two. But I saw an NBA power ranking. I'm like, I wonder where the Suns are. Like one, two, three, four, five, oh, 10, 11, 12, there, fourteenth, middle of the pack. Here we go. And it just made me think. You know, we checked out of the Cardinals season very early. I mean, it was obvious with the struggles that that we checked out. But you know what we had in the back pocket? Look at the Suns. And the Suns. Mm-hmm. They were there. Suns were got off to a great start. We're six and one to start the season or something. They were playing good, winning big, good. So we had that, right? That once you stopped believing, okay, this Cardinal team's no good, at least you had, all right, we got the Suns. Here we go. We got the Suns. But now, like, are we on the verge with the Suns one game away from being a 500 team of falling, having the same fate with them as we have with the Cardinals? Um, hmm. Are we on the verge of the Suns being one of the worst teams in the NBA? Oh, we're not. I, don't, I didn't say that. I know. I know. But that's, I, I'm just saying to me, to, that's what the Cardinals are. But the, it was the, more of a. Do you start to lose a little bit of the, the focus off of the team based on they're not this isn't their year? Yeah, this I, is just not no, their year. And I, and I know, uh, trust me, I know what you're trying to say. I, I was just to me, the Arizona Cardinals are, and I, and I don't think I'm speaking out of school here. They're one of the worst teams in the NFL. They're going to pick in the top five, yeah. top four. Uh-huh. I don't think it's ever going to get that bad with the Phoenix Suns. And I know that's not what you're trying to say, but to me, if I'm comparing apples to apples here, I don't think the Suns this year will fall. That far. I mean, I've been reading some people who have been talking about lottery targets for the Suns. I'm like, whoa, I I understand they fall out of the play-in tournament and you start to get there. But I understand what you're trying to say. I really do. Like we, Let me put it a different way. Okay. If I would have said to you before the season started for the Cardinals and the Suns, what's more likely, the Cardinals are one of the worst teams in football and have a top five pick, or the Suns are a playing tournament team in the Western Conference. I would have said the Cardinals every day that ends in Y. Right. I would have said the Cardinals every day that ends in Y. That it was more likely that they would suffer the fate that they just, suffered. Just because of the nature of the NFL, right? Things. Look, the LA Rams won the Super Bowl a year ago. This year they suck, right? I mean, that's that's the nature of the NFL. Things change very, very quickly there. Yeah, I would have chosen the Cardinals in that. Yeah, I would. Now, will my, to your point, is my attention going to start to drift from the Phoenix Suns the way it drifted from the Cardinals? Yeah, but I'm I need to see what this team does when Devin Booker comes back before I'm going to be completely drifting with my attention. You know what I mean? I know, like, but they may dig themselves such a hole. They might. They might. That you know, like like getting a top four seed might be. I, you're, you're halfway through the season right I, now. I understand. You're halfway I, through, but there are there are dates still coming up that I want to see how they respond sure. to. There's the January fifteenth date when there are more players available to be traded. There's the trade deadline in the NBA to see if the Suns are they going to do something? What do they do with Jay? What do they do? Do they do anything bigger than that? There's the return of Devin Booker. There's you know there are things that. There are still mile markers for them to hit before I'm ready to get off this highway, right? Like, I, I still want to drive a little bit on this road before I start to check it. I'm not even close to that spot. Are you? No, but I started, so I looked at something today, and for the first time, and, you know, when you the second you start looking at mock drafts, you, you've gone there, it's hard, to turn, it's hard to turn back. 
I looked at a Bleacher Report mock draft in the NBA. See, that's where you and I are different. Yeah. I have not looked at an NBA mock draft. Mm. I have no intention of looking at an NBA mock draft, frankly, unless you email me one. I, right, I will and I not did go today. searching this out. January I will not. 5th, Bleacher Report, 2023 NBA mock draft. Now, I didn't click on this to see who the Suns were drafting, but I'll tell you who they're drafting anyway. I clicked on this to see where they were picking. Right, and you go through the top five of Detroit, Charlotte, Houston, San Antonio, Orlando, okay, and then six is Orlando via the Bulls, and Oklahoma City, Toronto, and all of a sudden, then you get to four, you get to uh, 15. And at 15, the Phoenix Suns select Anthony Black, Arkansas, point guard, shooting guard, freshman. Despite questions about Black's self-creation, upside as an NBA scorer, his yeah. ability to play make for teammates and defend guards at 6-7, and I'm like, they got the Suns picking 15th? Yeah. 15th. I'm not there with you. And I look, I'm not. I just clicked I'm not on there. I'm like, wow. Nope. You're the there alone, sun, my friend. The suns are right there. You're there, there right? by yourself. I'm not there. And I, I'm sure that I am, but I was intrigued enough. To, like, normally you wouldn't even think about it. The suns are picking 20, 28, 29, oh, sure. 30. You don't even think about it. Sure. And, and I think more than anything, what you said at the very beginning of this conversation is what resonates the most with me is that we, no matter how bad things got with the Cardinals, we always figured the Suns would be there to kind of bail us out collectively, consciously, right? Yeah. Like, like, okay, no matter, no matter how bad this gets, hey, we'll always be able to, we'll always be able to watch the Suns game and be entertained. We'll always be able to watch the Suns game. It's okay. There's a team that we can, you know, that's having success and they're going to go to the playoffs again. And I, there's no doubt that is in doubt. Right. There's no doubt. I'm watching that Cavs game last night. I mean, it was it was a tough watch and they were competitive in that game. I thought they were going to win, but that was a tough watch last night. So let me put it another way. I know you're not going to look at mock drafts. Uh And this is the first time I looked at one. and I probably won't look at many others, but I did look at this one just to see where they were picking. Does the way that they're playing in the injury riddled season and everything, which is very reminiscent of the Cardinals injury riddled season, injury riddled season. There are some similarities there. Now the Cardinals are, you know, they, they dropped really far and the Suns have dropped really far too. I mean, if you took a look at the winning percentage and then like, what was the Suns winning percentage last year compared to what it is this year? And the Cardinals winning percentage last year compared to what it is this year. I, I'd like to see which one is a further drop because I don't know. So what the you know the Cardinals winning percentage last year to this year, Suns winning percentage last year to this year, which is a bigger drop? Because the Suns didn't lose many games last year. Well, the Suns have already lost as lost no. more games this year. But than to they my did point, to, to define just how disappointing this Suns season has been, I don't think that there's that much of a difference between what the Cardinals drop was winning percentage wise. To what the Suns drop is winning percentage wise. Eric is looking this up for me right now. I'm, I'm looking. Give me, okay. give me a second. Yeah, yeah it's going to take other, a minute. The yeah. other thing is, I thought about this. In a way, I'm kind of glad that they didn't give up that first round draft pick. Now, you may say, okay, I'm not going to look at mock drafts, but you could at least agree that, boy, I'm glad that they're going to have that pick because it may end up being a pretty good pick. See, I don't. Okay, that's again where we'll differ a little bit. I'm glad they've got the pick. But I look at the pick as currency to get a player, not in the draft. I'm they glad they need they need I, younger players I, I, that I, are cheap. I I want the pick for a trade. Okay, I, I don't want the pick for some freshman point guard from Arkansas. Sorry, that does not move my needle at all. I I have that doesn't do a thing for me. Nothing. Right. That pick to me is currency to use in a trade. To what do you got for me, Eric? All right, so yeah, uh, spell this out. For Cardinals' me. winning percentage in 2021 was six point six four seven, so sixty four point seven percent. Cardinals' winning percentage in 2022 so far is point 
0.25, so 25%. They okay. dropped from that to 25. For Suns winning percentage last season, it was 66 uh yeah, 66% last season. No, that's wrong. That's all time. That's Yeah, no, 66.7 and right now they've dropped to 51. Okay. So 20 and 9. 20 and 19 that's now. 39% drop compared to a 15% drop. Okay. So Cardinals still had a much bigger well, drop. Well, because the, and that one's easy to explain. The Cardinals play 17 games. Right. The Suns play 800 games. Okay, not 800, but they play 81 games. So there's there's not going to be as a dramatic of a drop when you don't play as you know few games as the Cardinals do. But, but again, going back to my point before Eric chimed in with the information, the, I do not care about a freshman point guard out of Arkansas. I want to know what NBA superstar you can use to get that first round pick. Would with. You, what if I mean would you have wanted Tyrese Halliburton here a couple of years ago? Yeah, but they didn't they weren't interested in him. Okay. So so maybe But when you the higher you pick, the better chance you have nope. of getting a player that can come nope. in and help. Nope, nope, nope. Now. Now, 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 You're now. Trade all the draft I, picks. I, I don't want I don't want later. I want now. I want now guys. Whether I'm getting those now guys this year with Chris Paul sure. or whether I'm getting those now guys next year. I mean, I get it. I'm, I'm yeah. not interested in the 21-year-old right. player who's going to take three years to develop. Send a couple of first-round picks interested. to the Lakers for LeBron. I would do that. Like, yep. at the end of the season, Lakers are like, LeBron wants out of there, and you could send them two first-round picks. And sure. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Correction real quick. It was actually 78% last season. For who? For the Suns. So, okay. 64 and 18. They were giving me the all-time one when I was So, they were 78% last year. Oh, what are they this okay, year? that's different. Yeah, and then this year they are at uh, 51%. 27%. So the Suns are down 27%. And what were the Cardinals down? 39%. 39%. Okay, closer than it's not I thought. not a terrible difference. It's not a terrible difference. But yeah. the point is that both teams have like... Both teams have dramatically underperformed compared to our right, expectations. Right, and that was the whole point of yeah, the yeah. conversation. It was a good conversation. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I did. Yeah, and sometimes, I but quit looking at those mock drafts of the NBA, man. You're bringing I, me down with that. I just wanted to see That's, where they were picking. Somebody keep Gambo away from the power rankings. You see what happens when Gambo looks at power rankings? I'm surprised he knew how to use Google. <laughs> I know how to use Google. <laughs> well, you think your iPhone is a camera phone, so. Yeah, at least I don't call my technology. We're never sure. I don't say I'm calling you from my car phone. You don't say that? Do you even still have one in your car? I think I say car phone. <laughs> I always said I'm calling you from my car phone. I'm calling you from the car. Yeah. Yeah. I don't it's sort of implied say, that you're on the phone. I do say camera phone. Yeah, you do. I call this you a call camera clicker, phone. And you still call it the clicker. Yeah. But I don't say... Yeah. Let's, let's pretend the Cardinals offseason starts right now. We're close. Let's pretend it starts now. Who are they potentially saying goodbye to? Uh, settle back because it's a long list. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Is it over? <laughs> Mitch just asked if he could go home. Uh, no. Scandal with Patty Smythe. Was it Patty Smythe? Yeah, don't remember the lead singer from. Oh, yeah. It smelled. Remember the video she was like in like. Really? Remember, it's like Smith. Remember the video she was in like the red stockings and the red dress? Oh, easy over there. What no, just I saying, don't. Do you remember the video? Obviously, she was left dancing it a, around and like left an impression on you. Yeah, of course I remember the video. <laughs> no, I don't remember. You don't remember that video? No, I don't. I don't. I will. I will Google it. She's dancing around. The band in the background. <laughs> she's kept doing this. The bands are background, and she was in like this red dress and red stockings, and just 
She did that total music video move too, where she, the band is playing first, and then here I am. Oh, you remember appearing from behind the curtain? <laughs> Do you remember that video? I had to watch it today. Oh, you had to watch it today to yeah. download the song, right? Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah, we hear the song normally. I think the show is over because this yeah. has been our goodbye song for it's a good song. I set the headphones down. I take the mic sock off the microphone we had out of here. I'm in the car driving to Gilbert. The reason we're playing um, Scandal's Goodbye to You at the in the middle of the show and not at the end. Because we're going to say goodbye to a lot of Cardinal players in a couple of days. Potentially, we could, could be saying goodbye to a lot of different Cardinals. There was a, it's, it, when you see it all kind of tangibly in front of you. Uh, and Revenge of the Birds did this today, the website that covers the Cardinals. Possible goodbyes for the Cardinals after this week. Man, it's a lot of names. It's a lot of names that potentially will not be back next year. And we know the obvious ones. We know Cliff. We don't know what's going to happen there. Steve Kime. We don't know what's going to happen there. J.J. Watt has announced his retirement. DeAndre Hopkins. There's questions about whether he's done with the Cardinals and whether they'll look to move on, even though somebody pointed out, I think it was Kyle Odegaard today, pointed out the massive cap hit the Cardinals would take on by trading DeAndre Hopkins. That being said, there's still speculation maybe they would move on from him. You ready for these names? Because it's it's a, it's a bunch of guys. Yeah, let's, let's talk about whether we, we want these guys gone or not. Okay, um, I'll start. I mean, the big names are Cliff and Steve. Okay, and we'll, we'll find out on Monday. Monday's going to be a very interesting day around here, right? Mm-hmm. Like yep. we wake up in the morning, and I don't know about you, but I'm going to be refresh, refresh, refresh all morning long just to see what happens. Um, I would choose for a complete organizational reset i would choose for a turning of the page and to try something different across the board i don't that's know that's expected sh- i think that's expected it, I, I don't want to I, I i it feels expected it feels at this point to not have that would be a surprise on monday yeah to move past this year in a completely different direction and just get away from it just get away from this year as no, fast as you can that's not you and i saying it's going to happen neither one of us know for sure that's going to happen uh, I but i think you're right it feels expected at this point that there's going to be an organizational reset top to bottom when it comes to head coach and gm we just don't know that for sure okay aj green gone gone I mean, one year, three and a half million dollars, but you obviously move on and you got to, you got to get younger. And this is an older team. AJ Green is an older wide receiver. You brought him back for, he was good this first year here. He was not good this year. Move on. DeAndre Hopkins. Trade him. I would trade him. If I could get a second round pick for DeAndre Hopkins, as good as he is, he'll be entering age 31 season. He, he still has value, and I don't think that I'm going to be that competitive next year. So I move on from DeAndre Hopkins. Okay. Um, I, I'm, I would also move on from DeAndre Hopkins. The, the cap ramifications that I mentioned a second ago, they're, they're significant, and it's worth having a conversation about how much dead money you would incur if you did trade DeAndre Hopkins. He just, it feels like you could get something substantial for him, and I just don't know if the value of having him on this roster next year is worth it in terms of where you're going to be as a football organization. Two guys I'm going to lump into one category, because I think they're, they're the same. Zach Allen and Byron Murphy. Got to keep both of them. They're both young players. Murphy has been a real good cornerback. 
you know, for them. He's definitely a one or a two. And Zach Allen, look, I mean, you're losing J.J. Watt. This kid's learned a lot from J.J. Watt. There's a lot of potential there. He may never be a great pass rusher, but I think he'll always be a good one. So I think that that's a guy. You've drafted him. You've developed him. I think you bring him back. Yeah, I got to imagine whoever is calling the shots for the Cardinals next year, whether it's Steve, whether it's Adrian Wilson, whether it's Quentin Harris, whether it's somebody brand new to the organization, which hasn't happened in a long time, I would imagine that's one of the first things on the do list. It, it's got to be one of the first things on the to do list. You, you can't, you know, Byron Murphy, has he been everything you want him to be? No. But is he good that you want to keep? Yes. Zach Allen, same thing. He's he's morphed into a really, really good player. They're not superstars at their position by any stretch, but they're the kind of guys that you want to keep. And whoever is making that decision, be it Steve, A-Dub, Quentin, somebody else, I would think that's one of the first things. The entire, outside of outside of DJ Humphreys, the entire offensive line. The in- Kelvin Beecham. Okay, I'd like, to have, I'd like to have Beecham back. Would you? I'd like to have Beecham Even back. Even with Josh Jones in the wings, ready to go? You gotta have you gotta have depth. You gotta have depth. So then I'd have three tackles, right? I'd have Beecham, I'd have Josh Jones, and I'd have DJ Humphrey. Everything they've said about him is they believe he's ready to be a starting tackle in this league. Okay. Everything. And so then let be let Beecham be the backup. I I love Beecham. So I think he's a good player. Okay, so bring Beecham back as a I backup. Just bring him back. Yeah, bring him okay. back. See what his in- see what the interest is in him. Bring him back. He's been the one guy who's been steady and consistent on that offensive line. I mean, right. who hasn't had the injuries, who's played through it. Yeah. Um, in fact, Eric, since we're talking about Kelvin Beecham, do me a favor, put that Beecham soundbite into a file here that I can play, and when I get a sec, I'm going to play it, because Beecham yesterday, when he got a good guy award from the local media, said some interesting things about the state of the organization. Okay, um, that's it. That's it? Cody Ford. I'll bring him back as a depth guy. Okay. That's it. I got to redo this entire offensive line. The entire line. offensive line. You got to do it. Free agency, trades, whatever I got to do. Yes. That's why, like, if you do make a trade with your draft, with your draft pick and get more draft picks, you could try to plug a lot more holes. But yes, I would, if I've got Josh Jones and DJ Humphreys and I bring back Beecham, because Beecham could play left tackle and right tackle. Sure. If I bring back Beecham as my swing guy. And then I have, you know, I have, I have, I have Cody Ford. I still want to give Cody Ford more of an opportunity. He hasn't played a whole lot, but everybody like Justin Pugh's probably going to retire. Rodney Hudson, I, I don't want him back, um, but I would imagine he's not going to play. No. Max Garcia, time to move on. Billy Price, he has not been good. Will Hernandez, uh, could take him or leave him. I think you got to redo the entire offensive line. Yeah, I, I tend to think so too. I, I, I believe Josh Jones is going to be a starter next year on that offensive line somewhere. I'd be curious to see about Beecham to see what options he has in front of him. Does he want to keep playing? I mean, he's an older player too. Does he? Is he looking at retirement? Is he looking at being a starter somewhere? Um, here's the beach and cut that I was talking about yesterday. He was kind of asked about the state of this season and, and really kind of went into depth with all of the problems they had organizationally this year. <laughs> it's been it's been wild, man. Uh, it's been wild. You know, we you know we had everything that was going on with the contract situation with the quarterback. You know, to start the year off. At the end of the year, you know, we had a death uh, by one of our, you know, one of our teammates. Um, before training camp, we had uh, speed racers that were going on before training camp. Uh, you got to training camp, you had, you know, hold-ins that were happening in training camp. 
Uh, you got to the season. I mean, it's a whirlwind. I mean, that's just the start of it. But it's been a. Uh, it's been it's been treacherous to, to say the least, uh, to be honest with you. But you know, um, all in all, we've learned a lot about each other. Uh, we learned how to grow with each other. We learned how to lean on each other, um, and we found out a lot about each other. Uh, and at the end of the day, this will be the last time that this particular group is together this this Sunday. That's just the nature of the National Football League. Holdings. Honest. That's assessment. Marcus. That's Marcus Golden. Oh, of course. Yeah. The Holdens. Yeah. We talked about we talked about a Holden a lot with Kyler Murray when I explained what their what their game plan was. Kyler's game plan would have been a hold in if the Cardinals didn't do a deal. Not a hold out, but a hold in. Well, Marcus had a hold in. You know, to get more money out of the organization. And, you know, and he did. He got more money out of the organization. But Marcus didn't deliver this year. Marcus Golden wasn't very good this year. So, you know, listen, Kelvin Beecham is a really good pro. And at 33 years old, he's not going to demand big dollars, I don't believe. Um, But he could absolutely be a guy that could play left tackle for you, play right tackle for you. I kind of want him back. That's the one guy that is a free agent that I would love to have back. And then maybe not as much on the front burner. All three of your main special teams players, Matt Prater, Andy Lee, long snapper Aaron Brewer, they're all unrestricted free agents as well. There are tons of other guys, guys like Chris Banjo, Antonio Hamilton, Ben Neiman, Tanner Vallejo, etc., etc., that are free agents as well. Yeah, to assure that they lose this game to the 49ers, I'm going to Matt Prater and Andy Lee and say, look, you guys, you want to play a little wide receiver this week? You know, <laughs> let's go. Who you want? Here, here no, you go. But you know what? On a on a not so trying to be funny note, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind seeing JJ Watt get a snap or two offensively. You mentioned that He's yesterday. He's had three I'd, touchdowns in I'd, his career. I'd love to see that if they get in a goal line situation. Come on, Cliff. I'd love to you see You get it. in a goal line situation, put J.J. Watt out at tight end and throw him the football. When we come back, the best possible news we could have gotten so far regarding DeMar Hamlin has come down in the last couple of hours. And maybe we're getting closer to a decision regarding the Bills-Bengals game. We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona sports, the local sports leader. To paraphrase uh, one of our partners, you know, when when he asked, "Did we win?" The answer is yes. You know, Demar, you won. You've won the game of life, uh, and that's probably the most important thing out of this. And we really need to keep him at the center uh, of everything else that's going on. And we really want to ensure a good outcome for him. That was Dr. Timothy Pritz from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. He and Dr. William Knight the Fourth held a press conference today in which they that was probably the most humanizing moment of the press conference. Not that it was filled with a lot of medical jargon, but it was very much a, you know, DeMar Hamlin woke up. He still has the tube in, so he can't verbally yeah. communicate, but he's yeah. writing down notes to the this doctors. Is great. This is so great. And one of the things he asked them was, did we win, did the, we game? win the game? And the Boy. doctor said, yeah, you won the game of life. You won the game of life. You did. And he's got to have a lot of people to thank, you know, for that because the response was tremendous uh, to get, you know, the CPR immediately for all those minutes and to get that blood pumping to deliver the oxygen to all the vital organs, including the brain, uh, but just imperative to save his life. I mean, they did an outstanding job. I mean, those people, the NFL should award all those people, you know, if, if everything, if he pulls through, if he pulls through. Uh, the NFL should award all of those people um, for what they did uh, because their their reaction, 
reaction and how quickly they reacted saved the life, very likely saved the life. The one specifically, and I want to make sure we say his name, even though there were a whole team of people on the field who saved his life in the moment, but the one specifically who has gotten a lion's share of the attention in the last 24 hours or so is Denny Kellington. He was one of the trainers on the field. In fact, I think I saw the transcript of the press conference with Sean McDermott and Josh Allen today in which they basically said, He's the hero. He he's he's the one. He's, he's the, the guy. guy. Got there he, and started. He, he is the guy who did the CPR, mm-hmm. who recognized that the heart had stopped, and and literally had the courage in the moment to act the way he had been trained to act. Because you think about it, trainers and and they are certainly trained in the ways of CPR. But how often do you actually perform CPR on a football player on a field in the middle of a game? Never, right? And yet those instincts and that training and that knowledge took over. Yeah, kicked right in. Took over. He jumped in. No hesitation. And that's why today, in addition to communicating with doctors, maybe the most encouraging thing to come out of the DeMar Hamlin story today is that all brain function, all neurological function appears to be right where it needs yeah. to be. Right and the brain cannot go a long time without having oxygen. It just can't. So the CPR, you know, pounding on the chest, moving that blood, the blood delivers the oxygen. You know, that was vital to him being able to 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 have that function, because that's the first thing I was worried about. Like, OK, you know, is is he is he going to have brain function? Because, again, your organs need oxygen and the brain needs oxygen. And it can't go. It can't go without it for very long. It really can't. No, it can't. Uh, Bill's coach, Sean McDermott on Denny Kellington, quote, the courage that it took. You talk about a real leader, a real hero and saving DeMar's life. I just admire his strength, close quote. So, so far, everything continues to be really, really good. In fact, the stories coming out of this now, they're heartwarming across the board. Uh, Bengals wide receiver T. Higgins uh, had a conversation with DeMar Hamlin's mother, and, and so that makes me feel better inside that they're having those conversations, that he feels better about what happened. Not that he had ever anything to feel bad about or feel like he had done anything wrong, but obviously there's been some encouragement there. Zach Taylor's wife, the head coach of the Bengals, his wife is organizing like 40 different elementary schools in Cincinnati to send get well cards to DeMar Hamlin while he's in the hospital. 40 different schools. I think that that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. And can you imagine when you're DeMar Hamlin? And I'm sure he's probably been told by now if he's communicating with doctors. Yeah. When you wake up and you find out how much money's been donated to your foundation. What is it up to? What was the last? That's a great question. Five million was the last one that I had seen. I think I saw seven million. What? At some point last night. I think I had seen. Mitch is looking it up for me right now. I think the last I had saw was seven million. The fundraiser? Million. Okay. Everyone oh my God! You now it's raised over seven million dollars. Is it over seven million? Yeah, it it's over seven million dollars. Okay, yeah. that's that's what I thought I had heard last. Yeah, night. they wanted twenty five hundred. This is incredible. I mean, all those kids are going to get new cars. <laughs> I, I hope they spend it on something yeah. a little more meaningful than new cars. You get, a, for you all get those an kids. Xbox <laughs> in a car. I hope there's yes. I hope there's a better goal in mind when it comes to that money. Now, yeah, I mean, maybe college educations for the kids, yes, like you know, for all absolutely. the kids. Maybe you could put money away towards everybody's college education. With there's a lot that you could do for a lot of these kids with that money, and that's going to be great. Demar's dad spoke to the team, the Bills today or last night, one of the two via a Zoom call. And like you said earlier, and I think you're absolutely right. Now I think the Bills can go, okay. He's going to be okay. Let's talk about football. 
Right. Let's, let's get ready for this game. We got a game to play. Let's get let's, ready for this game. Uh, apparently, the question was asked today of Josh Allen and Sean McDermott during the press conference. Do the Buffalo Bills feel ready to play a football game in three days? Josh Allen interrupted the person asking the question. I do. And Sean McDermott's like, yep, I do as well. We're ready. Let's go. But so, this allows you to be ready. Yes. Because if you had no answers and you, you were and you still were in limbo about whether he was going to make it or not, I think it would be very difficult to play in the game. But okay. I think now that you've got some positive signs, he's reacting, his brain function is there. He asked him, okay, now you feel like, okay, the really good chance that he's going to be okay. Now let's get back to the business of, uh, of, of winning some football games. So in that regard, and I know we've talked about this the last couple of days, but now that it does seem as if so far at least DeMar Hamlin is out of the woods. Um, I was expecting, and maybe we'll still get one by the time we sign off, sign off today. I was expecting an announcement from the NFL about Bills Bengals and what I was going to happen I think we'll there. get it today based on the time, because what time is it in New York right, right now? Right now it's almost 6 o'clock now, so probably uh, not six, by yeah. now. Earlier today, there was Pro Football Talk in particular had reported there was momentum building for the cancellation of the Bills-Bengals game permanently. And that at some point this afternoon, Bills-Bengals would be declared a straight-up no contest. They're just not going to play it Not a all. fan of that, but you know what? It is what it is. But I'm just, you know, overall, just personally, I'm not a fan of that. I think it really hurts the Bills and their chances to have home field advantage in an AFC championship game. So... They're, they were in the driver's seat. If they won their final two games, they were going to be, they had home field advantage wrapped up and the bye. You get that first round bye, which is a big advantage for a team. They, only one team gets the bye. So I really don't like that they would do that because that real, that, that basically hands Kansas City the bye and the home field advantage. There's been a lot of speculation online from people who kind of know about these things with suggestions of what it might look like. And, and to your point, the Chiefs, if it's a no contest, the Chiefs get the number one seed by beating the Raiders on Saturday. They would just lock it in with a win, and it's done. They're the number one seed. The Bills would have no chance at it. Um, the Bills could become the top seed if they beat the Patriots on Sunday, but only if Kansas City loses on Saturday. And, hey, no, that Stidham kid, uh, Jarrett Stidham, well, played extremely played really well for the Raiders. Really well. Yes, really well. Good maybe enough the Raiders to the Raiders would have. Where's that game at? That game is in Vegas, I think. Is it in Vegas? Okay. I think. Maybe the Raiders would have yeah. a shot. It's in Vegas. It's in Vegas. So if they beat the Chiefs Saturday afternoon, that opens the doors for the Bills to get it anyway. Now, I will tell you, and I don't think you're going to be a fan of this. Albert Breer tweeted out two hours ago that the idea the NFL is discussing with teams, he writes, has real traction. And that is seeding by win percentage, since not everyone's going to have the no, same number it, of games. With the AFC title game at a neutral site. So don't so, so neither fan base gets to support their hometown team? The the only advantage you'd get by being a number one seed is you'd get the first week off, which is a real advantage. I don't want to diminish that. But because Kansas City would have kind of backdoored their way into the top seed. You deprive them of home field advantage in that game. You don't give them the complete spoils and benefits of being the number one seed. He even goes so far to point out that Indianapolis is almost exactly halfway between Kansas City and Buffalo on a map. That they could play the game in that building. Both fan bases would be about 480 miles away from it. If they wanted to go, the they one could. fairness about that is that they're... Both Buffalo and Kansas City are freezing. Temperatures are brutally cold, right? Yeah. So the advantage, there's no like, hey, you got to come to our place and play in the cold. Well, if you play in Kansas City or Buffalo, you're used to playing in the cold. 
So, like, there's no advantage to, you know, now you go to a neutral site, you know, that's, you know, that that's, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. I know but you're not. I know you're not. I, and, and I think they're just, they're just, no one's going to, there's no perfect solution to this, right? Like, not everyone's going to be happy with how this turns out. They're just making the best they can do. I get it. With a situation that's difficult to deal with. When we come back, there's a lot to catch you up on in sports. We're going to do just that. The 4 o'clock reset is next on the Burns and Gambo Show.